keynote uh, pre presenter, Patricia, or Trish, as she likes to be called, Schwerdl, who is a lecturer at Monash University. Trish is a clinical care RN and nurse academic with a degree in health promotion and a master's in international health. She has had 15 years experience working in ICUs and EDs as well as primary healthcare settings in a number of countries including the rural area of Australia, UK, Holland, Germany and South Sudan. Trish is an active association member of Medicine Sand Frontiers. That movement and her research interests are global health, humanitarian medical aid, international health equity and environmental sustainability. Thanks, Trish. Thank you very much. Thank you also for having me today. Um, it's great to be back in Sydney. I was actually born in Sydney, so it feels a little bit like coming home. Um, I am a lecturer at Monash University and I teach mainly public health and health promotion um, subjects there. Um, my interest is in um, global health, which is why I have a particular interest in um, environmental sustainability. Um, I've been asked to speak about two initiatives today that I started. And um, at first I was wondering how to connect them because they seemed quite diverse. But then um, I realised that one of them was actually bottom up and one was top down. And that's interesting because that's actually how we address health at a population level as well, through bottom up and top down initiatives. Um, and that's exactly what's required in environmental sustainability in healthcare as well. Um, so the first initiative I'll be talking about is the Green Alfred Group, which is a grassroots nurse-initiated greening change initiative, which is social media driven, which is something anybody can do. Um, and the second initiative is about, is the top-down one, which is about integrating environmental sustainability into the undergraduate nursing curriculum at Monash University. And I think it's high time for that to happen. Um, I was going to talk about why now um, and why nurses, um, but Janet's um, very succinctly covered why nurses, but I might just go over it in a bit of a different way. So why now? Why do we need to address climate change now? Does anyone know how old the theory of climate change is? I'm going to take a guess. 100 years? Um, so it might be a little bit, um, it might vary a little bit depending on your source, but the earliest source I could find of documented um, climate change was actually in the early 1800s. So it's really old. Um, it was properly documented um, and described in the 1960s, but that was still more than 50 years ago. So I think it's high time to act. I think we spend a lot of time and energy trying to convince people um, I think we really need to leave the doubters behind and focus our energy on action. Um, and evidence actually shows that there's a whole lot of evidence. There's a whole lot of evidence on the link between climate change and human health, but there's not a lot of evidence on action. What are the evidence-based actions and strategies that we can take to achieve environmental sustainability in healthcare? Um, and the second point is really why nurses so, as Janet mentioned, nurses are at the forefront of healthcare. We are trialling, ordering, using and disposing of products. 
Um, we are engaging in procedures that require energy and water. We are identifying and acting on environmental hazards and we also create the most waste. There's also, we're also the largest group, as we always keep on saying. There's a quarter of a million of nurses and midwives in Australia and there are three times as many nurses and midwives as they are the next group of health professionals, which are doctors. So there's strength, um, there's knowledge and there's safety and power in numbers. And certainly there's a lot of international precedent for nurses really leading environmental sustainability in healthcare. They're very well represented in all levels of governance as well, which gives us the opportunity to speak out and advocate for it. So um, you're all motivated enough to be here today, and you also must have an interest in environmental sustainability, and there's undoubtedly a lot of um, knowledge and experience in the room. I think similar symposiums in the past have been criticised for kind of going around in circles and not really addressing the how-to. So I think we should make it our mission today to talk about the how-to, how are we going to do it. Um, so I want you to actually commit to something today. So everybody got a little bit of green paper when they came in. This is your opportunity to actually do something. So at the end of the presentation, I'll give you an opportunity to speak to the person next to you about what you are going to commit to do, how are you going to do it, what resources will you need, and who can you get to support you. So I'll give you an opportunity to do that. If you're really overwhelmed by that, I think it's probably good for you to think about what area are you going to target? Is it waste? Is it water? Is it energy? What context are you going to act? Is it actually in your workplace? It doesn't have to be. It could be external to that. You could be involved in something upstream where you're advocating for change. And make sure your goal is smart. So make sure it's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-based. So that's what a smart objective will be. Um, and it has to be time-based because everybody's busy and if you don't have a deadline, you, I can guarantee you won't get to it. So I'll get you to think about that throughout the presentation and throughout the day there will be lots of um, examples of what people are actually doing to inspire what you're going to do. So I think it's worth just mentioning um, something about change because when we talk about environmental sustainability um, in healthcare we're essentially talking about change. Um, and these two quotes were inspired by a movement in the UK by the National Health Service and it's called the School of Healthcare Radicals. This is an online platform where people can link up with like minds and work out how to enact change in their workplaces. And this actually inspired the Green Alfred Group, which is the grassroots activity that, um, that I started at Alfred Health in Melbourne. So, there's a great white paper that's written by the NHS School of Healthcare Radicals and it's all about how change, the nature of change is actually changing. So being an effective change agent is less to do with hierarchical power or positional authority and more to do with the ability to influence through a network. I grew up in a physical world and I speak English and the next generation is growing up in a digital world and they speak social. So the um, School of Healthcare Radicals is really talking about how the nature of change is changing 
the power of hierarchies diminishing and change is happening faster and becoming more disruptive than any time before. And when you think about it in terms of climate change, it really does happen, have to happen faster. Um, so I've kind of summarised the white paper, what they talk about in terms of the changing nature of change into three elements, power, form and focus. So the dominant or old chain is really classic of the Australian healthcare system and also the NHS in the UK. And the new change is the latest thinking and this is the way transformational change is happening globally. So in terms of power, the old change is really um, the power comes from hierarchy and positional authority. But the new change, the power is in networks, in connection and the ability to influence networks. In the old change, form was really um, about transaction. So the lower echelons were told what to do, they did it and they fed back. In the new change, it's more about a relationship. There's an emphasis on emotional connections and it's linked to people's values. And this is very relevant to, emotional, uh, to environmental sustainability because it is emotional, because it's about our future and our children. Um, and the third element, focus. So focus of that old dominant model of change is really on mission and vision of the actual organisation. But um, the new change is about a shared purpose. So this is about executive um, committees of healthcare organisations realising that they cannot drive change across a wider system anymore. They actually need buy-in. And that's why organisations such as Alfred in, um, in Melbourne, they actually employ change agents, um, change engineers to bring about change because they want people to own it and that's the only successful and sustainable way to bring about change. Is that familiar? Does anybody agree with that? I'm terrible, do you think? Okay. It's a pretty um, exciting time, I think. So the bottom-up approach that I'm briefly going to speak about today is the Green Alfred Group. So this is a nurse-initiated hospital greening activity um, driven by social media, and it's inspired by that new change and the power of networking. So it pretty much started with two emergency nurses, me and a friend of mine, who were frustrated by an inability to order recycling bins for our emergency department in Melbourne. So in 2015, that's right, we could not order recycling bins, um, which is extremely frustrating. So what we did was we just simply um, started a Facebook page and a Twitter group, um, and we linked up within and, with and outside the organisation, so different um, departments. And it's funny how hospitals really work in silos. We had no idea what ICU were doing, and they were doing a lot of things, and they were doing things that we could replicate with relatively low effort. Um, so we were hindered by this bureaucracy and what we did was we decided to rock the boat um, and hopefully stay in it. I dropped out, but that was my choice. Um, and apart from setting up a Facebook and Twitter page, we um, made this video to recruit environmental sustainability representatives in different departments. So everything we did was pretty much free. Um, so I think that figure really showed the despair and frustration, that first guy, 
Um, and the message really was, we want to do something now. We don't want to be wait. We don't want to wait to be told what to do. Um, we know what to do in our work environment, and we want to do it now. So what was happening is we were changed. We, we were enacting change despite policy and procedure, rather than because of it. Um, and this really links up with the NHS and their idea that um, fundamental change doesn't really happen through monumental shifts. It actually happens through little steps and disruptions and ideas that grow. So this is our Facebook page. Um, we used it to share ideas, um, gather support and celebrate um, our achievements. So if another department on another campus um, eliminated foam cups, for example, because that was one of our targets, um, then they would post it and everyone would like it and share it. Um, some of the barriers we faced, we didn't actually have an environmental sustainability officer. If you are lucky enough to have one, um, I would be very grateful to have one um, because they really can coordinate this type of action. But in the absence of an environmental sustainability officer, it really is nobody's job. So it just gets tapped on the end of everyone else's job description. And if you're in a clinical area, that can be challenging because most of your time you're looking after patients. Um, exec, in terms of barriers, I suppose they were confused by us at the start. They hadn't seen anything like that before. Um, they didn't know what to do with us. Um, in terms of middle management, I think they were a bit annoyed um, because we were seen to be jumping the chain of command. So once again, that's really that old kind of hierarchy there. Um, but we realised that we can't enact change by going through the chain of command, so we bypassed it. Also, one of the barriers we faced were that the things that the goals that we were trying to achieve were unmeasured. So if you're going to engage in any action, make sure you're measuring from the start. Um, ICU at the Alfred, for example, had achieved an amount, amazing amount um, in terms of reducing um, waste, but because they didn't measure that, um, they didn't have much of an argument. They didn't get the recognition that they deserved for what they achieved, and what they achieved could not be replicated because they didn't, we, it wasn't really documented what they had achieved with what resources. So we also used Twitter. Um, things like posting, for example, Alfred Health invited all of the employees to um, contribute to the strategic plan. Um, I think usually they received very, very low response rates, but when we shared that on social media and said, hey, this is your opportunity to prioritise environmental sustainability, tell exec that we actually want to recycle, um, that was um, a platform for increasing our voice. Um, in terms of achievements, um, we had started with two RNs and after eight months we had 150 people across the network on our, um, joining us. We recruited seven environmental sustainability representatives, so we communicated um, and shared ideas. So we didn't have to pretty much start, as Chris was saying before, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, it's happened elsewhere. You don't need to research soft plastic recycling schemes, somebody's done that before. So you can cut out the effort by networking. We also just did some education, um, we orientated new staff to recycling. Um, we also tried to influence procurement, so we just um, talked to um, equipment nurses. Um, equipment nurses are great to talk to sustainability about. Ask them how they decide on products when they're trialling products. Are they actually looking at, at the life cycle of that product? 
and on the um, forms that they use for product selection, environmental sustainability is often not there. So why isn't it there? How do they make that decision to go from reusable to single use? And we did some advocacy as well. So we linked with the DHS and asked them what they thought about Alfred Health not having an environmental management policy. It's actually a compliance issue because it's a funding requirement. So we wrote an open letter to exec saying we need to see an EMP on the internet. It's a compliance issue. It's probably worth, uh, I'm probably sounding a bit more like a troublemaker now, but I'm actually a rebel. Um, it's probably important to recognise the difference between these two. So we were trying to recruit rebels, people that create a mission-focused, a passionate, optimistic, energy-generating, attract more people, think about possibilities rather than problems and work together rather than alone. So I had this to kind of, um, on my wall to kind of inspire me and also when people tell me that I'm a troublemaker, it's good to make a case that I'm actually a rebel and you can do that as well. I'll just briefly talk about behaviour change because when we're talking about environmental sustainability in healthcare, what we're essentially talking about is behaviour change. So sustainable behaviour. And this is, um, once again, there's so many um, parallels between human health and, and um, planet health. So we can draw on that knowledge about human health when we're trying to enact sustainability in our workplaces. It's not just about knowledge, behaviour change, and this is a huge misconception, um, often in health promotion and public health as well. People have this idea that if we tell people what's good for them, they'll do it. If we tell people what's unhealthy for them, they won't do it. That's actually a misconception. Human behaviour is a lot more complex than that. Um, out of all of these six elements that lead to um, people choosing certain behaviours, which one would you think would be most powerful? Personal skills? Social norms, yeah. Social norms are the biggest predictor of human behaviour. So pretty much we're all lemmings. We do what everybody else does. And if everybody else is, has got a keep cut, if everybody else recycles, if it's socially unacceptable to throw something that's not clinical waste into clinical waste, then that is what's going to change behaviour. Social norms is number one. Um, also, thinking about past experience has an influence on our behaviour. So if you've been burnt before, you're unlikely to try it again. If it worked once, then you're likely to try it again. That's the nature of human behaviour. Um, and we certainly experience this in the Green Alpha group, people saying, oh, don't bother um, ordering recycling bins. We tried that before and it didn't work. Perceived consequences also comes into play with behaviour change. What are the benefits of environmental sustainability behaviour? What are the rewards? What are the risks? And is it actually my job? These are the kind of things that you need to answer. These are elements that you can actually target in your action. Also in the environment, is it actually conducive to recycling? And I really don't think it is. Um, even if you've got a bin, you do have to sit there and think. And if you're in the middle of a recess, you don't want, have, you don't want people to have to think. You want to make the environment conducive to recycling or doing the right thing. 
And then the last two elements are personal skills and ability and knowledge. So the personal skills and ability is something that we're trying to address at Monash by actually graduating nurses that know about environmental sustainability and can consider it part of their practice. Um, and this is just a change scale that's, um, that kind of motivated our movement. So we considered ourselves as innovators and early adopters. Um, that's probably who you guys are as well because we're here today. And it's probably um, quite motivating to think once you reach a critical mass, that's when you will enact large-scale change, when all the other lemmings join us. Um, just again on parallels between human health and planet health, um, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. This is actually the Ottawa Charter. Has anyone seen the Ottawa Charter before? Yeah? So it's a huge part of public health and health promotion and you can actually apply it to environmental sustainability in healthcare. So there are three main strategies enable, mediate and advocate and that's what we need to do. So we need to enable people to make the environmental sustainable choice. We need to make that choice the easy choice. So in public health we like to make the healthy choice the easy choice by not having things available to tempt people, not having um, unhealthy food being the cheaper and more accessible option for example. Same principle in environmental sustainability. Um, mediate. So environmental sustainability in healthcare requires intersectoral action, just like in health promotion. So we want to link different sectors, education, clinical environment, um, two sectors that really don't talk enough are the clinicians and waste management people. Um, and also just linking like exec and clinicians as well. Um, so thinking about who we can link together to enact this change. And also advocacy, so it's about policy. We want the policy to be there to support our action. And then the Ottawa Charter also has five um, key areas of action, which you can also apply to environmental sustainability in healthcare. The first one is creating healthy public policy. You can do the same thing to create healthy policy for environmental sustainability. So things like having a visible environmental management plan on your intranet so people can actually say, okay, what does the organisation say about this? Creating a supportive environment, so actually inciting community action so people feel like they own the projects and the, and the action they're taking towards sustainability at work. Developing personal skills. Do you actually know the difference between clinical, recyclable and general waste? Did anybody learn that at uni? No, and it definitely needs to be there. And I would argue that it should be um, a competency and it should be something that you need to do a yearly accreditation on because it's something that you do every day. And also, finally, reorientating health services. So in the Ottawa Charter, this is about turning um, the vision of a healthcare service away from reactionary biomedical model and towards the social model of health. And that's what we kind of have to change our thinking as nurses as well. We are really holistic and we do think community planet um, more than perhaps some of the other biomedical disciplines. But we do have to shift our focus from the biomedical model where we prioritise the individual, the patient under our care at the time, to think about society. And there are a lot of Indigenous cultures 
for example, that are really inspired in this way because they're connected to the planet. And that's something we need to get back to by reorientating our healthcare services. So the top-down approach um, is getting environmental sustainability on undergraduate nursing curriculum. And I think it's um, really high time for that. In terms of getting um, environmental sustainability on the curriculum, we faced um, barriers and enables, and I'll just quickly go over that. In terms of the rationale for it, there's great rationale for it. So Monash University, one of our main goals is to graduate global citizens. If that's in our mission statement, then we've got a very good argument for getting ES on the curriculum. Some barriers we face, it's not, um, the curriculums are developed for the ANMAC competencies um, and environmental sustainability isn't a competency for nurses. I think it needs to be. Um, we have also competing interests to get content on the curriculum. So a lot of people um, you know, are waving their own banners for different causes. Um, the undergraduate curriculum is also at risk of content overload. So this sometimes is seen as one more thing. And also there's a lack of ex expertise in universities. So nursing academics are saying, I don't really know how to teach environmental sustainability, but it's not rocket science. Um, and it's happening in other areas of the world. So once again, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, enablers to getting it on the curriculum, pretty much it needs to be championed by someone. Um, if the environment doesn't support that and doesn't make it um, mandatory, then somebody has to be on a curriculum development team at the right time and at Monash, that's every seven years. So um, that's a bit of a barrier really rather than a labeler. And in terms of precedent, um, Plymouth University in the, in the United um, Kingdom have done a lot of work in this area. And to get it on the Monash curriculum, I actually contacted um, Plymouth and just got some of their ideas and their learning objectives. And also there's precedent in other disciplines. So we're not the first discipline outside environmental health to put it on the curriculum. Um, architecture, for example, have been doing this for a long time. So these are the points that the curriculum development team considers before something gets onto, um, onto the curriculum. So environmental sustainability isn't really under all these points yet. So I kind of see this as a list of possibilities where we could get it there. And that would enable the environment um, to prioritise it. And then that would mean that ES is just not at Monash, it's at other um, universities as well. So in terms of the university goals, it's there. We're trying to produce global citizens and global citizens identify number one as being humans. So they're not the kind of people to shift around responsibility and climate change is a global responsibility. Um, professional body competencies, it's not yet on the NMAC competencies, it should be. Um, the university also considers um, key stakeholders' requests. So this is from healthcare organisations. So before they actually develop a curriculum, they go and ask all the big healthcare organisations, what do you want in a nursing graduate? So this is opportunity for healthcare organisations to say, actually, we want nurses that can practise sustainably. If, for example, Monash could say that, then um, I'm sure they would favour Monash graduates. It's a bit about curriculum development. It's a bit about looking into the future as well. So we're developing a curriculum for 2017, but the graduates will be 2020 graduates. So environmental sustainability is going to be a lot bigger then.
Um, in terms of legal requirements, it's not really on any of the APRA paperwork yet. It's not really in our code of conduct, perhaps it should be. It's a bit indirect, like in terms of being accountable and evidence-based, but it's not really there. International bodies, a few of them have position statements on environmental sustainability. The International Council of Nurses has a very good one. So that's also a way that I can make an argument to get it on my curriculum. And also it being evidence-based. So the Lancet Commission on Climate Change and Health was a really, really good argument and a really good example um, to get it on the curriculum because they're talking about healthcare professionals actually leading this change. So at the moment, this is what we teach. Pretty rudimentary stuff. The link between planet health and human health, the direct and indirect effects of climate change, and the health co-benefits of carbon reduction. So that's something that's just been added in 2015. And with the new curriculum in 2017, we hope to add to it. So we want nurses to be able to actually list ways in which they can improve their personal and organisational carbon footprint. Um, we want nurses to evaluate the sustainability of commonly used products in healthcare. And we actually want them to hypothesise the impact on patient care if commonly used products were no longer available. So we actually get them to rank um, the impact on patient care if they were no longer available. And I suppose the purpose of that is to get to nurses to make the connection between plastic and oil. And that oil is actually a non-sustainable resource. Pretty much everything we use is plastic. Just a few more learning objectives. We want students to be able to critique research, so this parallels with other research learning objectives about cost and infection control implications. So quite often you get primary research coming out showing that there's a connection between increased post-operative infection rates with using a reusable product. So that doesn't mean that we have to go disposable, and I think that's happening in hospitals a lot. Based on one study, we're throwing out all of our laryngoscopes and we're using single-use ones. We need to think a little bit more critically about the research and also evidence-based practice is not just about the research, it's about the patient and it's about the clinical environment as well. And in that conversation, we need to talk about environmental impact. We want students to be able to summarise an environmental management plan, so we want them to see the bigger picture. And at the end, we just empty a big bag of waste on the ground and we want them to sort it into clinical, recyclable and general waste. Those skills have to be automatic, so graduates need to have them when they graduate. Which brings us to what you're going to do. So I would encourage you to fill out that green form, bring it to morning tea. If you're tech savvy, it'd be great if you could take a pic of it and tweet it uh, or post it on the New South Wales Nursing and Midwifery Association site. It might inspire other people to do what you're thinking of doing as well. I'll get you to talk to the person next to you about what you plan to do. And then at morning tea, I really encourage you to speak to a stranger about it. There's a lot of um, expertise in the room. Maybe someone else has got knows of a, of a resource that you might be able to use to actually enact your change. Once again, make your goal smart, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-based. Think about an area 
Is it waste? Waste's a good one. Uh, it's, an, it's, it's probably a sort of low-hanging fruit, as they say. A context, is it at work or is it advocacy? And a specific goal. And it might just be putting environmental sustainability on the agenda for your next nurse meeting. Or it might just be looking up the environmental management plan. With the Green Alfred group, we made green boards in our tea rooms and we just posted articles on that. Could be that. Doesn't have to be huge. It's important to remember that change doesn't, fundamental change doesn't come from monumental shifts, but it rather it comes from little ideas and disruptions and ideas that grow. So I hope you're inspired to do something. And uh, this quote from Dr. Seuss always helps me to stay focused. Thank you very much.